Blog Am I still here? Radio. Welcome to my show. I'm your host, Diana Bewaros, award-winning and best-selling author, Fire and Ice, The Journey of Transformation and the White Within. You can find out more about me on my website, dianabewaros.com, as well as download today's podcast and the past podcast full with useful tools to cope with any situation you are facing nowadays. And um, you'll be able to learn how to uh, build your life Again, if you're having some difficulties or you um, want to find out how to um, deal if, uh, in a relationship, how to deal in domestic violence situation, how to deal into abusive relationship, every, uh, every tool is my, in, in my past podcast from guests who have been in your situation and how they were, uh, they were talking about how they were able actually to rebuild their wife and uh, go after their dreams and um, have what they always dreamed of. And today we have a new guest. His name is David Huber. He was first and foremost a technologist, a computer science, with a once successful established career with technology companies in the Silicon Valley. And he's with us today on the phone, and he's going to talk about himself and his book titled Invisible Stalker. So hi, David Huber. How are you today? I'm great. Hi, Diana. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. We cannot wait to learn about your book and about your story. You you have a lot to share with us today. Um, certainly, yeah. Um, well, my book is called Invisible Stalker, and uh, it's available on Amazon.com. And the book is a book that I was going to publish as fact or nonfiction, and uh, due to the sensitivity of what's in my book, it's my actual story. And I don't use a character's name. The character of, in the book is my name. And I, I publish it as, as fiction. It's a, it's a truth that's really hard to tell, and some truths have to be told as a story. And so what I did is I took the truth and I crafted it as a fiction. So you can imagine publishing a book like this would be very difficult on – my future career, um, yeah. it'd be, make it more difficult to get a job. The, the byline on my book, it's Invisible Stalker by David Huber, my targeted involvement in a military conspiracy to kill President Barack Obama. Hmm. And basically what happened, uh, i give you a little synopsis. I, I had a great career. Um, I was in Silicon Valley working for large technology companies such as Oracle, Netscape, and McAfee. And uh, I took a little hiatus um, um, after my involvement in these companies. And I I was living in San Francisco. And as you know, San Francisco has a large indigent population. And I had uh, met some indigent people. And, you know, I'm a very gracious and and kind person. And I'd invite them into my home and uh, uh, learn more about them, help them out a little bit. And uh, somehow I get got involved with a a certain group of people that were now I know called targeted individuals that were being influenced by a technology 
that uh, I later came to realize that it's a government technology. And it has to do with a type of mind control. And um, the year was two, somewhere around 2008. I just uh, finished working at uh, McAfee, and I, I was decided to take my break. And um, I got involved with this group of people, and uh, things got really, really, really strange. Um, I remember being first indoctrinated in this technology. I was uh, alone in my apartment, and uh, somehow my home was invaded. I, I woke up, and I uh, looked at the front door of my apartment. I had a very nice uh, Eddy Street apartment in the Western Edition, and my front door was blown off its hinges. And it's a big apartment building, so you'd think a ruckus of that type would be noticed uh, by my neighbors, but it wasn't. My door was in my hallway, and I felt like I was just beat up, uh, like I'd been manhandled. And uh, I looked over my body, and I saw a fair amount of bruising. And I go, what What in the world happened? And so I get up, and I call my friend Maria, and I go, hey, Maria, something's weird happened at my house. So I want you to come over. I go, look at everything in the apartment. And you go, I, you know, I, I wasn't a bachelor, so I wasn't the, the neatest person in the house, but my house was completely cleaned and vacuumed. My computer, which was often disheveled, and uh, yeah, as a technologist, I'd like to componentize my computer and have the different parts in different places so I can easily switch out components, was all reassembled and screwed back together. And I'm going, this is really odd. My safe was right open, and nothing was stolen. I had some valuable watches and some uh, jewelry in there, but nothing was stolen. Um, my bed was made. My bathroom was cleaned. And Maria goes, well, let's look at your body. You know, take off your clothes. I go, okay. And she goes, oh, gosh, where'd you get all these bruises? This is horrible. And then she looks at the back of my arm, and she goes, there's an injection site on the back of your arm, right, my tricep. I go, what? And she goes, you're not, like, shooting some sort of drug, are you? And I go, well, number one, I wouldn't shoot in the back of my arm if I were. I don't think that works. And number two, no. And she goes, well, that's really weird. It looks like someone gave you a hot shot or doped you. And I go, wow. And so... I didn't know quite what was happening. I'm very confused. And so I went on about my business, and I started to hear things. Uh, it was uh, you know, just a small voice at first. And uh, i, I got to say this actually may have happened while I was still at McAfee. The timeline's a little confusing because in my book I put it there, so I'm looking at it now. Timeline's a little confusing. So it was still while I was at McAfee. I hadn't quit yet. And so... I, 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 uh, that's when I decided to quit the work and go on this little break, right? And so I started hearing these strange voices. And first it was a very female-sounding voice. Now, we all know when we <laughs> think to ourselves or read a book, it's a silent voice. My voice yeah. was no longer silent. I could hear clearly a mechanical voice like you would hear on a computer system. And it would tell me everything I was doing. I'd sit in front of my computer and go, oh, you're looking at your computer. Oh, you're putting in your password. Your password is this. Oh, you're going to go do this. You're going to go do that. And it was very, very, it was kind of playful, kind of experimental. And uh, this went on for some time. But as you can imagine, uh, the insanity that would ensue from having this happen, a complete lack of privacy. It was as if whatever this technology was could listen through my ears, see out my eyes, and understand my thoughts. And as time went on, I noticed something else very specific about what was happening to me. This not only had control over 
what I would hear, what I was thinking, but also had subtle control over my emotions. So <laughs> the feeling of anger it could induce, the feeling of physical pleasure it could induce. It could induce mm-hmm. fear. And yeah. so as I started analyzing this, I go, my God, if they can do this, what else they can do? And so I concluded that uh, if this technology somehow could control the basis of emotions, it would be easy yeah. to assign emotion to thought and change our behavior. Yeah. And we have a caller, Soli, David. Who is this? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Who is online? Yeah. Do you have a question for David? Can you introduce yourself, please? Hello? Hello. Hello. Oh, me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you have a question for David? And what is your name? Are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, we're talking to you. This is David Huber. Hi. What's your question? Oh, hi. No, I I don't. I mean, you invited me to the to listen to the call, so I did. That's, I'm just listening. Sorry. Oh, okay. Just so you know, oh, great. Um, do you have anything in particular about what you've heard so far that might uh, pique your interest? Um, no, I'm a TI as well, and I was just listening. Um, How long have you been getting only? some? Since 2013. Since 2013. Yeah, mine started about uh, um, right before 2008, or right around the 2008 time frame. Are you a victim mm-hmm. of uh, remote neural monitoring and voice to skull? Yes. No, yes, I get or- remote neural monitoring. I I don't get voice to skull, but I do get tortured severely. Um, mm. I get severe physical torture from the. Yeah, dude. yeah, I know that that's happening a lot and a lot a lot more. Um, my, mine started out very similar uh, before I actually really noticed it. It, and became really evident. I, I think there's there's two types of things we're talking about here. Um, one, I think there's an American interface to this technology. Mm-hmm. But I, I, as mm-hmm. a technologist and as someone who knows the current state of both commercial and military-grade com- computational technology, I was involved in sales to uh, the U.S. Army for, for their military technology. And as someone mm-hmm. who knows some of their technology – it's not capable of targeting the thousands and thousands of people that are targeted around the world. Uh, sure, maybe a few thousand, right? But it's not capable of the many, many, many people. So if we're talking about a type of technology that is targeting people, the basis, and it's my conjecture and uh, my belief, that the targeting technology is otherworldly. The basis, right? right? I, right. I, I believe that as well. Um, yeah. So when you get the the Sorry, RMR, I, remote neural monitoring, <laughs> yeah. you, oh, do we do we have another call? No, no, um, no. I I do get remote neural monitoring. They can see out of my eyes, for instance. And when how I do you know they see out of your eyes? What what is the indication? Well, um. Just things that they show me that mimic what I see from my eyes. You know, um, for instance, if I'm viewing uh, something, um, they'll show me later on my on my news feed. Like they will um, basically like mimic what I see a lot. So, um, so even Dr. Robert Duncan told me that this technology does pattern recognition, 
And so whatever it sees out of your eyes, it can, you know, like reproduce the same pattern and show it back to you. This is what it does to me. Absolutely. In my book, Invisible Stalker, what I do is I go through my experience and I have several chapters on the technology that is used to see through your eyes. And some of the doctors that are at, uh, it's like Cal Berkeley, you know, uh, Berkeley, Cal, Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Yang Deng, and she works for DARPA, and Dr. Gallagher are both working on projects where they use uh, direct and indirect, uh, evasive and non-invasive techniques to scan the mind, and they could have you look at videos and watch what you're looking at on a computer screen. Right. Um, okay. So well, it gets pretty scary at that point. Yeah. And, and do, you, do you ever get the sense that you have no sense of privacy? Oh, of course. They, I don't. I, uh, I don't have any privacy at all. You know, if I'm in, like, um, uh, the one part of the house, the neighbor will come out. Like, literally, I was in one one part of the house this morning at about 3 o'clock in the morning um, because I was being targeted bad, and I, you know, went to this other side of the house, and when I did, my neighbor came out at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning and was standing by my window. And then if I, you know, they they know where I'm at every second. And and, and that that's the most interesting part, and I, I, I'm going to take a little bit from here. I did a lot of investigation into what people believe gang stalking is. Okay, gang stalking is a phenomenon where you can walk down the street and you know or you get the impression that people are working for the government or people were working for some sort of secret cause and they're there to harass you and they're being either controlled by do this or they're doing it uh, as a deliberate action for the government. And there's, there's a couple misconceptions in this. And first thing, it is a perceptual issue. And I don't want to uh, say you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying you're right. And so what happens is it's the way we perceive what is happening to us because it is an emotional control system. When we see, let's say, a cop look at us from the cop across the street, it might put a thought in your head. And you might feel a little afraid because it makes you feel afraid. Normally you wouldn't be afraid of a cop looking at you, right? There's a police officer there. He's there to protect and serve. But – this time you look at the cop, and the cop's looking at you, and you get a motion, and then a thought will go to your head. He knows you're guilty of something. And they modify the thought with a, uh, with a corresponding emotion in order to elicit a behavior by you. And what might this behavior be? A distrust of the police. Right. And so, you know, the government does not have – I mean, government has about 4 million people under payroll. Let's say 3 or 4 million. That's in total. I'm talking IRS, military, everything, right? So that's the whole kit and caboodle, right? About 4 million people mm-hmm. on their payroll, which is a roughly, you know, that's a small percentage. If it's like 1%, we're, we're lucky, of uh, the entire U.S. population. And there's thousands and thousands of people being gang-stalked. The government truly does not have a big enough payroll to pay people to follow you or pay people to gang stalk you. They just don't have the money for it. And so that's one of the things I, I really took a serious look at. I wanted to know if this was deliberate or if this was something the government was uh, paying these people. Because I experienced the same thing. I mean, I would, I would I'd be in my San Francisco apartment, and I would hear a voice and say, uh, 
go look out the window. And I looked out the window. So before I got the window, it says, you'll see a guy in a ball cap and a striped shirt. And I looked out the window, and I saw a guy in a ball cap and a striped shirt. And he goes, mm-hmm. um, you've been talking too much about this technology to people. He's the street authority. He's going to go tell on you, and people are going to come to your home and kill you. And, you know, of course, I felt the fear. I saw the guy. And I started thinking. I go, well, well okay, what if this thing, whatever it is that tells us all this stuff, right, is a supercomputer, a super aware computer that could handle talking to thousands of people, maybe of another worldly mode, uh, otherworldly thing. Maybe it could see out the eyes of everyone on the street. Maybe it can see out they through can. the CCTV cameras that are on the street, can, the traffic uh, control cameras. Okay. Um, I actually, I actually talked. I'm sorry. I actually talked to a programmer once. From, uh, she had graduated from MIT, and she was a programmer. Um, and she was telling me that they can see out of everybody's eyes, including animals' eyes, and she said even goldfish. Oh, yeah, 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 and that's very true. Um, Dr. Yang Deng has a whole video on YouTube, How to See Out Through a Cat's Eyes, and they put a put some probes in a cat, a little hat on a cat, mm-hmm. and the cat goes running around. You can watch a video of everything it sees. So, so when you know, even, like even your animals could become complete become part of it, yeah. When people, like, walk down your street, um, like, this is what happens to me. Whenever I get in my car to leave, um, there's, like, people out there, on my street that usually weren't there before. And there's always somebody out there at the, at the exact same time I leave, uh, walking a dog, riding a bike, on a skateboard, um, at the exact same time. Like, And it never used to have, you know, I never used to have people synchronized to be out in front of my house at the exact same time that I went anywhere. Oh, and yeah, of course. These, I, it, yeah, I agree with you totally. Things are really changing. Yeah. With, with the way things happen. And a lot of it is perceptual, but it's a timed perception. And so, I mean, I, I have other theories that, that I put in my book, but, you know, I, I don't want to go too far out there, you know, because, you know, I, I do love the sci-fi. And so, you know, I indoctrinate some of the future technologies and what this could be, but let's just say it is an other world technology that can truly interface with wide populations. And accumulate all that data and make these things very obvious to you when you're looking at them. The big problem we have as targeted individuals is the only proof that we have is our common narrative and our empathy for each other. We have no other proof, uh, no other real direct proof that that would cause the court system to be involved or would cause uh, a big public outcry or would cause the medical the medical industry to come alive and go against this. It's, it's a very small number of people that become self-aware that they are being targeted. And so I, I think right. it's not just solely an American agenda. I think there's another agenda okay. at large. And I hate to use the word aliens. I really do. But uh, well, I, I don't know how, how else to explain it. Yeah. Well, it's reverse-engineered alien technology is what it is. I, I agree. I agree, yeah. And, and, you know, you just look how far we've come in the last few years. Um, you know, yeah, right. well, I, I, I have implants on my body by the, the U.S. government. And so when I talked about hey. being implanted in my apartment after McAfee, now I remember I heard the voices before the U.S. implants. 
And the U.S. implants convi- uh, are, consist of, there's two things that he put in the osicillies, which is the middle ear, and they're energy-to-vibration decelerators. And they can become a vibrational component of the inner ear to simulate sound to the brain. It's a very mechanical process. It's like almost having like a miniature Bluetooth implanted in your middle ear. If you put a stethoscope on your middle ear, you won't be able to hear it. It's just vibrational frequencies that stimulate the cochlear and the auditory nerves into creating process sound in your mind. And so it's very stealthy, but the technology is getting old, and it will be found out someday soon. Alternative, I mean, additionally, they implant the entire face with these microfibers. It's, it's like I remember like when I said my door was blue in, I, um, I started having flashbacks to what happened. And this was much later. And I remember being roughed up, brought into my room. I remember being completely out of it. I think they gave me a heavy dose of benzodiazepam or like a roofie so I would forget what happened. And they, I remember them putting something in my ear like a gun, like a, some sort of lycoscopic insertion device. It inserted something in my mm-hmm. middle ears. I remember them being painful afterwards. I remember them touching my face all, and all over my body with like a, almost like a tattoo gun or something that was leaving an imprint. And I believe wow. these are the fibers that they insert all over your body. And what these do are these are microwave reflective fibers. And what they do, they put mm-hmm. them over your face, your mouth, your eyes, around your eyes, um, on your smile points, on your nose. And what these do is while you're doing well, – what the, this is the reverse engineering part you were talking about. So what happens is for some reason you're targeted by an extra-worldly t- technology. Then if the government finds out about it, finds out about you, they come and say, well, this is another one. Let's implant them with our United States technology not only to see what we can find out, but to see how we can capitalize on this very otherworldly technology. And I'm not saying they don't work in cahoots with them. I believe that they both work with the aliens, and they also are wary of what the aliens can do. And so I believe it's why America targets people. See how far that they can influence alien technology that targets us. And I believe this technology is not – it, it seems very hurtful in the beginning. But I believe it's in a way of raising human awareness. Yeah, you know, I went through quite a transformation of both uh, what I considered myself. I'm, I'm a very different person when this all started. After I went to the Secret Service and I told them that the American technology was telling me to assassinate Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And, and I went to the Secret Service and uh, I had like 12 meetings with them. And uh, I saw a series of Secret Service doctors. You know, at my last meeting, it was uh, in, on Figueroa Street in downtown Los Angeles on the 13th floor at the Ernest & Young building, which is a Secret Service office. And I get in the office, and uh, my, my guy, Andy, my Secret Service agent, Andy, comes up, and he goes, look, uh, David, this is off the record. I just got finished talking with you-know-who. He's the president, and he's well aware of this. He was Obama at the time, and he goes, uh, first of all, he wants me to say thank you. And he goes, next, wow. he, goes, he wants to make this very clear to you. You're never going to get any justice for this. It's way beyond my pay grade even to know what this totally is. You're never going to get any justice. You know, uh, you know um, we wanted to bring what you in here. We actually don't... wanted to arrest you, but uh, arrest you because, you know, I, I said these things. And he said, but oh uh, what you said was too important. And so we're going to watch you the rest of your life. 
So now my computer is really monitored by the Secret Service. Oh. I'd like, I'll come in one day. They play games with me all the time. Like, I'll, you know how you log in your screen, it tells you the date and the time and your location on Windows 10? Yeah. I, I'm in Arcadia, California. So we'll say Arcadia, the weather is this and uh, the time is this. And I'll come in the next morning and it'll change to uh, the weather in Washington, D.C. is this. And uh, and the date is this, and the time is this, and so they change the date on the computer and the and its location, you know, just for little things to let me know that they're still watching me. And so. Uh, Hi, yeah. Okay, Go they ahead. torture me horrifically um, physically. I get horrific physical torture um, to the point of uh, I have to use a walker sometimes in the morning because I can barely even wa- walk or or stand up from this torture. Um, mm. You know the reason for this? Why they're torturing to see how that? okay there, 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 there's okay uh, so my theory and it's a strong one that I have it's it's some sort of examination of the human mind to bring us to a, uh, an additional state of being and you know we we all know how we behave when things are good right? It's to see mm-hmm. if we can be bad our best when things are bad. Okay. And I think what whatever this technology or wherever it's from, call it aliens, call it God, call it whatever. Right. I believe it's examining us. It's easy to see how someone's going to behave when things are good and they're untortured. Which, when mm-hmm. you really see the, the, the true nature of a person's soul or psyche is when things are at their worst. And I believe it's in some way for those of us that can handle it, to bring us to a new awareness, uh, maybe a shared existence with, call it an alien mind, call it a spirit that will bring mm-hmm. mankind to the next level of understanding and uh, help us usher in a new understanding so we can finally be at peace. And I explore some of this in Invisible Stalker, which is available on Amazon.com. And one one of the big things I do is I go through a lot of the misconceptions about organized and gang stalking. That's one of the chapters. It's a it's, it's a very good read, and I go all the way through talking about what happened with the uh, U.S. Secret Service, how I heard the military first tell me that I was going to assassinate Barack Obama, and on a particular day, uh, right after the election or right before the election. I had actually uh, gotten in my car with my girlfriend, and uh, she's targeted too. And we were in the Oakland side of the Bay Area, and we're driving across the bridge, and says, the voice message is begun. You're going to assassinate the president this day. And I'm all, oh, no. And I was under complete physical control, and they have chapters outlining this. And I couldn't move, and I couldn't talk, and I couldn't say anything. And I knew I was going to Union Square, which I heard this before, the whole plan, where the president will be there, you're going to go with your gun, and you're going to shoot that son of a gun. The voice would say to me, don't mm-hmm. look now, but the backpack in your lap is Remy's backpack, and inside there is a 38 pistol, which he'll use to shoot the president at Union Square. And I'm, I'm terrified, completely scared out of my wits. I don't know what to do. Am I going to go to Union Square, assassinate, the, become a John Wilkes Booth, and forever be known as a, a presidential assassin? the first black president of the United States. So I am scared, scared to death. My immediate reaction is I've got to stop this. I've got to break out of this cycle. If I get any opportunity to move, I'll take it. So I'm in the passenger side and my girlfriend's driving and we're crossing the Bay Bridge. 
I notice I get a little freedom of movement. I jump out the door onto the busy bridge, and I run to the side of the bridge, prepared to jump off and end my life. I will not assassinate the president, disgrace myself, mm-hmm. my family, and tarnish the Hubert name for generations to come. It wasn't suicide. I considered it self-sacrifice. And so as I go to jump, I'm ready to jump right off that bridge. My legs won't move, and I hear the word stop, and I can't jump off the bridge. I get back in the car with Remy, and we're driving, and we're driving, and we're driving, and uh, we get down to, like, uh, the Tenderloin area. We're on our way to Union Square, so somewhere in San Francisco, the downtown area, and, again, I'm under physical control. Yeah, I was directed to go back in the car. I couldn't control it. I had to sit back in the car. I couldn't jump off the bridge. And it goes, well, you're on Union Square. You're going to kill the president. And I go, oh, no. You know, what am I going to do now? I got a little bit of control back. I jump out of my car. And this time I'm driving. I pushed her to the passenger side this time. This time I'm driving. I take the keys. I see a police officer. I pull him the keys, and I say, uh, officer, tow my car, please. He looks at me and goes, what? And I go, yeah. Uh, me and my girlfriend are a little stoned and having a heated argument, and uh, I'm too emotional to drive, and so is she. I need you to tow my car, and uh, he looks confused. He calls additional police officers. There's about six of them standing around. Well, what's the story? Uh, I, we can't drive anymore. Just do me the favor. I'm not in my car anymore. I'm a little stoned, so you know, and get picked up for uh, being intoxicated while driving. And uh, I go, my girlfriend and I are uh, having too big of an argument. Just tow my car. Take it, take it wherever you take cars. I go, absolutely. We'll tow your car. Okay, done. And then Remy starts walking towards Remy Square, Union Square. And the voice goes, oh, well, if you're not going to complete the mission, your girlfriend's going to go there and shoot the president. She has the gun in her backpack. And now it became my objective to stop her from – remember, she's targeted too – to stop her from getting to Union Square. So I run to her. I beg. I plead. You've got to stop. You know, I'm – I'm a gentle man. I'm not going to you know, try to physically block her or restrain her in any ways, but I wanted to break the cycle in her. You know, I said, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then finally the spell wore off, and, and we were done. Years later, um, I moved in with my parents. Uh, I didn't want to live alone anymore with this kind of insanity. And um, I'm, I'm going to the Secret Service, and I'm telling them this story. I'm sitting down with two agents, and they go, uh, you know, uh, we know everything about you, every doctor you've seen, every psychiatrist you've talked to. Uh, we've talked to every one of your friends. Uh, we know you're a nonviolent man. You have no police record. Um, in fact, everyone has nice things to say about you. And they go, uh, you know, we're, we're still watching you intently. You've got the federal government up in arms here. And they go, you know, uh, we did some research. And they go, when you turned your car into the police, and we looked at the date. Barack Obama wasn't at Union Square. And I said, what? And I go, no, but he was there two weeks later. I go, shoot. And he goes, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but the Secret Service didn't even know his schedule. So somehow, I got there two weeks before he was actually going to be there, and the Secret Service didn't even know his itinerary at the time. Do you think that was a trial run? Like uh, I think it was a it. trial run. Yeah, I definitely think it was a trial run right. to see if they could get me all the way there. If right. they could get me all uh-huh. make it a lot easier the next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are out of time. Uh, the show is almost over. I just lean in. I want to let you know. 
So, uh, David, uh, can you please share the places where people can buy the book? And thank you so much for the cover. And I'm sorry you're going to. Sure, thank you, Diana. I think I'm going to. Yeah. Okay, it's www.invisiblestalker.com. That's www.invisiblestalker.com, all one word. And um, I've had some trouble with my domain name. I think it gets blocked sometimes. So if you have trouble, go to Amazon Books and look up Invisible Stalker by Huber. That's H-U-B-E-R, and it should be able to find it. The Diana's webpage. And uh, on there she has some links to it too. And so it makes it real easy. Yeah, you can find out on Block Talk Radio. The link is there, blogtalkradio.com slash Diana Bayoro. The book is there, so it's my website and my blog spot. I'm going to have everything there from today's show. Are you show going to have a uh, to recap? Uh, yes, I, definitely. Are you going to yeah, have a recording of this another. up there? Yes, 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 David. You oh, excellent. Thank you so much. I just want to yeah. put a big shout-out for Diana. She, the work she's doing is so important. Thank you so much, David. Thank you to the caller who is doing that. And I hope we can end this with our uh, stories and we'll be able to make other people's lives better because there are a lot of targeted individuals, including me. So um, I do have I some coping skills in the book, too. So, so a lot of it, I do have some coping skills and, and how to, uh, how to uh, deal and embrace the situation. Because fighting it and running from it just makes it a lot more difficult. If it's not illegal and if it doesn't hurt you or others, you can embrace some of this and uh, understand it a little bit better. Uh, The military involvement uh, is totally atrocious. They wanted Barack Obama dead. First black president, a president that may not have – there's a lot of controversy. I'm not going to say anything about him. I like Barack Obama. But there's a lot of controversy regarding his presidency. And you can imagine Mm -hmm. how the old power structure, especially the old military structure, which Barack Obama was against, might want him dead. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Okay, again, Invisible Soccer by David Huber. Thank you, everybody. Thank Thank you. you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for calling. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, I'll send you that that copy. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, please do. Bye.